Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So we have been working through emotions. How many realize that you have lots of emotions? Amen. How many are loving the emotion series? How many are saying, move on to something else? How many say, I come to church and I get this gut punch because I didn't realize that that emotion wasn't quite under control like I thought it was? Bingo. <laughs> yeah, isn't that all of us that are honest? So today we're going to be talking about jealousy and envy. What a fun topic to talk about today. How many of you are jealous that I get to talk about jealousy and envy? (laughs) Jealousy. Hostile towards a rival or one believed to enjoy an advantage. It's also a feeling of unhappiness or anger because someone has something or someone or something that you want. We've all experienced jealousy, haven't we? In some way or another, we all get jealous at times. I want to read to you James 3.16. It says, For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But how many know jealousy, this desire for things that others have, there's actually a healthy jealousy. There's an unhealthy jealousy, and we'll get to that. But let's talk about the healthy jealousy first. Honey, no, God is jealous for us. Well, let's just look at what the Bible says, and then we'll answer the question. Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24, so be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or form, for the Lord your God is forbidden this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. That word in Hebrew, kana, Q-U-A-N-N-A, demanding exclusive service. See, God wants your heart. First and foremost, God wants your heart. And he demands your heart. But you know why? Because he has your best interest in mind, and he knows what's good for you. See, if God is not number one in your life, you have an idol. Wow. That landed like a lead balloon. If God is not your number one priority, you have an idol in your life. Now watch. Stay with me. How many live according to your priorities? None? Does anyone have priorities and you do your best to live according to your priorities? A few of you. Okay. Is my mic working today? If God is truly your number one priority, is that reflected in how you live your life? Is that reflected in your time, your talent, your treasure? Do you spend time with God on a daily basis? If that's the number one relationship in your life, I would think you should. See, I try to live as much as I can according to my priorities. That means if God's my number one relationship, then my wife and my children, in that order... So children that are listening today, wife first, then you. (laughs) 
then my work, then the stuff I want to do, I almost never get to that. (laughs) See, how do you make decisions? People say, would you like to do this? Well, does it affect my relationship with God? No. How about my wife? No. Children? No. Work? No. Okay. I can do that. But often what happens is it gets in the way of family, or it gets in the way of work, or it gets in the way of my relationship with God, I'm going to say no. How many know that people don't like it when you say no? Pastor, you need to come do this. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I was talking to another pastor recently, and I had gone to a family event, and then he had showed up really late, so I didn't get to talk to him. And I, was, and I was saying, like, what happened? He said, well, somebody called me and wanted to go talk to me. I said, well, that's nice, but you had a family event. And he said, yeah, but what am I supposed to tell him? I said, you tell him I'll talk to you later or another time. You can do that. I do. I love you, but if you're going to try to talk to me during a family event, I'm going to say, I have a family event. I'll meet with you later. How many say that's reasonable? See, I have to live according to my priorities. If more Christians lived according to their priorities, we would transition more of the next generation into the congregation. That's not the only reason people walk away, but that's one reason people walk away because we don't live according to our priorities. God's jealous for us. He wants your heart first. But how many know there's healthy jealousy even in relationships? What you talking about? A husband or wife being jealous for their spouse, this has to do with healthy, okay, guarding the relationship, the deep commitment you have to one another, and not allowing the enemy a foothold. Men, I'll talk to you first. Any men in the room? Amen. When your wife says... There's something going on with that woman. Maybe you need to stay away from her or be careful with her. Wisdom will tell you, listen to your wife. Because she knows better than you do how women think. But men, if you disrespect your wife and don't listen to her counsel, I'm talking about healthy jealousy here. This is the one that guards and preserves and protects. Okay? If you don't listen to your wife, you're a fool. And you put your marriage at risk because you think you know better. Women, when your husband says, hey, be careful of that guy, you'd be wise to listen to him because he knows how men think better than you know how men think, even though you think you know how men think. (laughs) And we also know what men want and how men say what they need to say to get what they want, and they'll do what they need to do. And sometimes this is really obvious, and sometimes this is really covert. Let me give you an obvious example. Some time ago, I'm out on the volleyball courts with my wife. This man walks up to my wife, and I'm observing this from a distance. And he says, hey, Mary. And he gives her that hug where you kind of start with the shoulder and you go all the way down. That was obvious. A little bit too flirty for me. 
I'm a little jealous for my relationship. So I said, hey, friend, what's your name? And I introduced myself and said, let's go for a walk. So we walked from the volleyball courts over behind the garage. And some of you might have encountered this. I have a pretty good grip, so I shook his hand. And then I didn't let go while I was talking to him. And I explained to him that that was my wife and he wasn't going to ever touch her again. I was very Christian. I didn't grab his neck. I didn't hurt him. I just talked to him. See, that's an obvious one where he's outside the bounds. Now, and I don't want my wife to have to be in an uncomfortable situation like that, so I'm going to do what I can. But how many know there's some less obvious ways that people flirt with one another? Or they communicate things that others don't see. Like, for instance, if I'm standing here... I'm just going to pick on you, Dustin, because you're sitting right here, but this is not Dustin's mode of operation. Okay? But he's sitting here, so, you know, front row. (laughs) Okay. So my wife walks away, and Dustin follows my wife with his eyes. But I'm over here. I'll observe that. I won't say nothing, but I'm seeing that. And too many times, men, you follow the women that you shouldn't be following with your eyes. Because you don't have your thoughts under control. Dun, dun, dun. So I'm going to go to my wife and say, hey, honey, you need to be careful with that guy because there's something going on in his mind that's not good. I'll go warn her. And my wife and I have a pretty good relationship. So when we talk about those things, we respect one another, and it's good for our marriage so that we can stay healthy because we don't want to allow the devil to have a foothold. But I watch people that think they know better and they don't listen to counsel from their husband or wife and they get themselves in lots of trouble. And they expose their partner to jealous feelings almost on purpose or in their foolishness. See, some of you might have dropped your children off at my house to spend some time with my daughters. And if you're one of the mothers, you'll notice and remember if for whatever reason my wife is not there, when you come to the door, you stay at the door. And if you step into the house, I step out of the house. Wintertime or not. And I've had conversations on the front porch in the winter because you're not coming in my house if my wife's not there. I don't want to put myself in that situation and I don't want to expose it. In fact, I've got a doorbell cam. It's awesome. It records everything. inappropriate touch, stolen looks, but there's unhealthy jealousy too. This has more to do with control and manipulation in the relationship. This has to do with um, abuse in some cases. Okay? The unhealthy jealousy, it often is rooted because we don't have a proper view of ourselves, and we feel inadequate, and we feel unimportant, and we feel undervalued. So therefore, because we feel this way, we overcompensate on the other side and we become very possessive and jealous. That's not healthy either. That's unhealthy. Now, in a Christian marriage, 
Your spouse should never feel underappreciated, should never feel undervalued, and should never feel unimportant. Because how many know marriage is about two people coming together to die? (laughs) You die to yourself. You die to what you want and you serve the other person. Do we not do this? Is this not Christian marriage? We put the needs of someone else in front of ourselves. All right, all right. The jealous person that tries to control the relationship often will create the opposite effect and push the other person away. Well, who do you think they're going to run to? Probably the one you don't want them to run to. You're not helping yourself. Often, jealous people will withdraw intimacy emotionally and physically from their spouse. I'm not sure your logic, but that's not going to produce the fruit you want it to. Let's listen to the Apostle Paul talk about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, I'm going to read from the Amplified. Paul's answering these questions now as to the matters of which you wrote. It is good, beneficial, advantageous for a man not to touch a woman. Enough said. Outside marriage. But because of the temptation to participate in sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his marital duty to the wife with goodwill and kindness and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have exclusive authority over her own body, but the husband shares with her and likewise the husband does not have exclusive authority over his body, but the wife shares with him. Do not deprive each other of marital rights, except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves unhindered to prayer, but come together again so that Satan will not tempt you to sin because of your lack of self-control. There's some issues here that Paul's addressing. And he goes on, he talks about this as a concession, because really Paul's saying, it's better that y'all live single, but I know that some of you are going to burn, so it's better to be married than to burn with lust, okay? But... He's saying, don't deprive one another. And sometimes people have no sense because they deprive their partner and then they put them at risk. Now, it's not right when their partner goes and sins, but they're certainly not helping their partner. I think there's problems on both sides. And that's what it's talking about here. So we're not helping ourselves by this. Now, I have no idea who said this. I couldn't find the source. But jealousy is a form of hatred built on insecurity. And a lot of times, we hate other people because we're insecure. So they have something that we want, and we don't like it. We don't like them. We take it out on them, like it's their fault that they're blessed. I'm going to go to Envy in a minute, but our drama team those people that were up here earlier, they're going to do a fantastic job of illustrating this for you. And I'm going to ask them to come forward now. Oh, look. She just bought a new house. Comes with a pool. A hot tub. A sauna. Nice. Ah, and she took a trip to Europe? Who buys a house and takes a trip to Europe all within the same year. 
Jane's Instagram friend has everything, and Jane is having a tough time processing her emotions. Am I supposed to like these stories? I mean, honestly, why do people feel the need to flaunt their privilege all over social media? Oh, come on. You are the most privileged woman I know. Whatever. I mean, come on, Kim. Hey, babe. Take a look at me. You, you get all of this. And she gets everything else. You know, you, you sound jealous. I am not jealous. Oh, come on, you I, are. I'm not. Just it's obvious you are. Whatever. Jane's just one of a thousand of people following an Insta star who has a wonderful life full of wonderful things and experiences. Tell me about it. But Jane isn't jealous. Thank you. Because jealousy is the emotion related to fear that something you have will be taken away by someone else. <laughs> so I'm definitely not jealous. It's not like she's going to come up on my doorstep looking to take any of my stuff. I mean, she has everything she needs. She has a better job, more followers, a whole lot more money than apparently she knows what to do with. No, no, Jane isn't jealous at all. You can tell him that. She's envious. Oh. I am so not even envious. Unfortunately, Jane is in denial. Okay, you know what? Let's just stop. Can we stop this nonsense right now? Just, just stop. Oh, so now you're picking a fight with the narrator? Okay, well, the narrator doesn't even know what she's talking about. Ouch, that hurts. Okay, listen, lady. You just can't come up here into my story, inject lies, defaming my character in front of all these lovely people. You can't do that. Hello? Jane, you want her stuff. You want it all. You long to be like her and have her life. You are so envious of her situation, you're becoming discontent with what you have been given. Preach it! Preach it, Miss Narrator! Envy leads to coveting, Jane. It's dangerous and you better stop. Stop it right now, and soon you'll go to any lengths to get her stuff, and it's not yours. End of story. Sounds like you ticked the narrator off. <laughs> I'm trying here. There we go. <laughs> I had my hands full. I couldn't open the door. What a great illustration. When we want something that someone else has, it suddenly makes us feel like the stuff that we do have is inadequate, Amen. not enough, Amen. insufficient. Harold Coffin says, envy is the art of counting in others' blessings instead of your own. 
Envy, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. What does the scripture have to say about this? Galatians 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, What's that next word? Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's how we don't live as Christians. Jump down to Romans 13, 13. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living. Or in quarreling and jealousy, sounds the same. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll come back to that. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. One more, Proverbs 23. Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this, and your hope will not be disappointed. You're going to find that envy is like a cancer. It will destroy your life. It'll eat away at you from the inside. See, jealousy is when you want what other people have, but envy has to do with that anger that turns within because you don't have what you want or what you think you want or what others have. And, you know, I think when I was talking about this earlier, it can destroy your life. Just like bitterness, it destroys your life. There was a man that came here some time ago, and I remember him because he took some pretty, pretty hard parting shots when he walked away. But I remember when he came, he literally had nothing. He showed up with nothing. And I remember we started loving him because how many know we love people? And we taught him over a period of time things like, you should probably brush your teeth every day and this is how you wash your hair periodically and this is how you clean your clothes. This is how you cook because his idea of food was walking into a corner store and grabbing a sandwich and sticking it in the microwave and, you know, food. And then we started trying to help him and love him and teach him and we got him into a place, and we even made some references to get him a job. But he had a really hard time waking up every day and going to work because he just didn't want to. The Bible has lots to say about hard work. The Bible has lots to say. And we encouraged him, and we challenged him to work hard. And as soon as he cleaned up a little bit... He put himself in a situation where suddenly he was God's gift to all the ladies in the church. And every single lady that he could find, hey, Kayla, my name is, and uh, you, know, you and me need to get together, and they'd say, well, no. You're not really a good candidate right now, young man. And he got very offended. But he chose not to listen to wisdom because he didn't want to work hard, so he kept losing jobs. Because he couldn't even show up. Any employers in the room, how many of you know that if someone decides not to show up for work over a period of time, they're probably not going to stay employed for you? 
It's still true. We're talking about Christian principles here. But he was envious of things that other people had, but he wasn't willing to work like other people were willing to work. He was upset with me because I had a wife and some children in a house. But I also went to school so I could do what I could do. (laughs) I worked 40 plus hours a week while I went to school so I could pay for school. That meant I didn't sleep much. See, people work hard, and not everyone's going to go to school, but you know what? There's lots of opportunities that are available to people. If you're willing to work hard, God will get involved and bless you. There's principles of seed time and harvest, and if you're looking around at everyone else in the church, well, it works for them, but not for me. I don't think that's true. But he eventually left because, well... Some of us pulled together and helped him fix this car the first time it broke, but the second time it broke when he wasn't working, we kind of said, look, you need to really get a job and take care of that. It's not the church's responsibility to fix your car. We're a church, not mechanic. Sorry, I'm not that good. I wish I was, but I'm not that good. But see, what happens is he was always looking at what everyone else had and he could never do the work on his own character. I tell men all the time, around 30, if you're still living in mama's basement, and sometimes there's situations where that allows, but if you're 30, you're living at home in mama's basement, you probably aren't a good candidate for marriage. In men, if you can't hold a job for any period of time, especially due to conduct and character, don't come knock on the door to take my daughter out. Because I'm going to say, no. I love you, but you need to work hard. You need to go apply yourself. Go prove that you can be provider. And see, these are, these are hard words sometimes, but people need to hear the truth. If you don't respond to the truth, what are you going to do? You're going to struggle. There's a lot of people that have what they have because they worked really hard to get where they are. And in the process of working really hard, they trusted God and they applied the principles of seed time and harvest and they're a little bit ahead of you. And when you're just starting out, nobody expects you to have the same faith level as someone that's been around for a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, you gotta start somewhere and start taking some steps towards where God wants you to be. But see, we get into, my wife said it, I'm talking about jealousy and envy, and she goes, well, what about competition and comparison? I said, I don't have time to go into competition and comparison in today's lesson. But the truth is, you compare yourselves to one another, and you compete with one another, trying to outdo one another. Don't we do that in conversation all the time? Joe and I are having a conversation. I say, I caught a fish this big. What does Joe say? I caught a fish this big. And the next guy says, oh, well, yeah, a whale jumped in the boat. You know, like. (laughs) Why do we feel the need to inflate ourselves? Because we perceive we're envious of their position. We're envious of what they have. And then it turns to anger and resentment. And we don't like who we are. So I have a few solutions to this. The first one 
to walk away from this is we got to get rid of the unbelief. I mean, too many times people tell me, well, God's word doesn't apply to me or my situation. It applies to everyone else, but God's word can't be true for me. That's unbelief. That's also a mistruth. Because as far as I can tell you, God's word is true for all of us equally because we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. God doesn't play favorites. But I'll tell you, some people have a relationship with him and they listen to his voice and I assure you they've got the edge over those that don't. We've got to get rid of the unbelief. God's word is truth and God's word applies to your life equally. Which means that at salvation he gives us a new nature so we can walk away from the works of the flesh that we listed earlier, including jealousy and envy, and we can start taking on the nature of Christ. That applies to all Christians equally. 1 Peter 2, 1-3. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have a taste. So God brings you into his kingdom. You pursue the things of God. You pursue the teachings of Christ. And when you start applying the teachings of Christ to your life, things will start changing for you consistently over time. Day by day, step by step, we apply truth to our life. His word does not return void or invalid. The next thing we need to do is trust God. What do you mean I got to trust him? Yeah, because that's foundational to receiving the promises. If there is a lack of trust in your relationship with God, how are you ever going to have a conversation with him about his promises? If you don't trust someone, that really puts a damper on the relationship. And some of you have a really hard time with trust. And as a result of that, you're stuck in jealousy and envy. Because you think that God likes everyone else more than you. And you resent that. And you're angry about that. And you feel like life is unfair. But if you could just trust the creator that he's got your best interest in it, that's why. He's jealous for your heart. He wants your heart first because he knows when he has your heart, that paves the way for the rest of your life to fall into order. But if you're serving yourself, you're out of alignment at the very beginning and you're, gonna, you're not going to walk a straight path. Things aren't going to work out how you think they should. Even David goes and he talks about, don't envy the sinners when they're blessed. But I'll tell you, I've been in the church now, my goodness, it's almost 40 years I've been living as a Christian. Next May will be my 40th year as a Christian. I'm almost 40 in the faith. Getting there. But watch this. I've seen it far, far, far too many times. And I don't remember what I wanted to say. That's why I had a triple espresso at first service. <laughs> People come in to church and they apply God's principles and God blesses them. But there's some people that are always envious of what other people have. 
the kingdom of God is no different. People that apply the principles of God in their life are going to reap what they sow. That's what I wanted to say. Sinners sometimes practice God's principles and they don't even know it. But the principles still produce the fruit that they're supposed to because of seed time and harvest, and God blesses them because they're benevolent. And Christians get frustrated that sinners get blessed, but sometimes sinners live a more Christian life than Christians do. Oh, we've got the religion down because we go to church and we raise our hands and we shout hallelujah and we carry a Bible this big. (laughs) Amen, hallelujah, brother. My Bible tells me that true religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans and not being spoiled by the world system that we live in. So it's not the form of godliness or the act outward, it's the inward heart change that affects our attitude towards relationships, towards others, which gives us the ability to walk in love to all people at all times. And see, that's the heartbeat of Christianity. We love people. Why? Because Jesus loved us. And he changed my heart so that I could love others, just like you can love others. But if it's all about an outward show, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to struggle because you're missing the whole point. Isn't that why the religious leaders were so upset with Jesus when he was here? They envied that the crowds loved him. And see, Jesus, he cared about the people. He healed the sick. He ministered to the brokenhearted. He looked at those that were down and he lifted them up. Pharisees didn't care about the people. They just wanted the following. They wanted the accolades. They wanted the the recognition. And they were envious that the people followed him. So envy caused them to do some very nasty things, including nailing the guy to a tree. That's not nice. And it'll do the same to you because it'll destroy your life if you allow envy to stay present. That's why God's given us a new nature. And true religion is walking in love towards others, preferring one another, honoring one another. The Bible has so much to say about this day in, day out. Trusting God to receive his promises. We need to choose love. Hey, I'll throw this out there. There was two weddings yesterday. My wife did a wedding for her uncle, and she talked about choosing love. Coincidentally, I worked it into my notes. She did a really good job. Pastor Michael did a really good job marrying Sam and Tolu. And I'm going to say this about Tolu and her family. They are some of the friendliest people you will ever meet. They're always extending a hand out and welcoming you. But you're going to find with them, they have friends all over the world and people love them everywhere they go. Why? Because they're friendly. They know how to reach out to others. They understand how to love people. Sam's family does pretty good at that too. But I want to highlight that. Because what we got to understand is, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Notice the opposite of love is jealousy. Love is not jealous. Love is 
patient and kind. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And I started reading Romans 13, 14 a little bit earlier, but instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. What? Put off the works of the flesh, including jealousy and envy, and clothe yourself with the presence of Jesus. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge. In other words, start controlling your thoughts, and instead of going to envy and jealousy, start putting on the nature of Christ and going to love. We love people. Stand with me for a moment. Some of you really struggle with this jealousy and envy. And it's eating you. It's wearing you down. You're tormented in your mind. You sometimes wonder what's up and what's down and what's right and what's wrong. But you've gotten your focus off of the Creator. You got your focus off of your relationship with Christ and you're allowing the works of the flesh that the Bible talks about so often. I've read several versions of it to come to the surface instead of the fruit of the Spirit. And you're not allowing the love of God to take first place in your life. And you're not surrounding yourself in the presence of God. You're not filling yourself with the presence of God. And it's frustrating you. And you're angry. And you've got so much resentment in your heart and you're not happy, why? Who said it? Piper, John Piper said, envy is a universal threat to our joy and to our concern for other people. If envy's present, joy is not present. And sometimes we're always looking at what everyone else has and what everybody else has got going on and what's going on for them and not for me. We need to stop it. And we need to focus on what God has. In fact, I'm going to encourage you, if that's a struggle for you, if you're struggling with that unhealthy jealousy and it's strangling your relationships, usually the only people that put up with you is family because they have to tolerate you. But everyone else wants nothing to do with you because they're tired of the nonsense. You know what I'm talking about. And if that envy's there and it's driving you, You need to align your desires with God's desires. You need to allow God to come in and change your heart. I'm going to encourage you, watch this. If you're envious of others, instead of tearing them down for what good things are happening in their life, start cheering for them and blessing them. Start encouraging people and say, you know what? I'm so glad you got that promotion. I'm so glad that God blessed you with that. I'm so excited for you. And let God change your heart. And wish people well. Why would you ever want ill to fall on someone? What's wrong with your heart if we wish ill on other people? We've all been there. I told you, I walked the guy behind. I wanted to wish ill on him, but I didn't. The choice you make in that moment is going to determine whether you win or lose the war in your mind. And it's going to determine if you go into the works of the flesh or if you walk in the fruit of the Spirit. 
I want to touch a little bit on um, what Pastor RJ was talking about. He's talking about that we need to always be willing to work hard, to put our hand to the plow, to do what we can do, to make, um, to do our part. But there is balance in everything. And we have to understand that as Christians, like we really need to get a hold of this, that we have to make room for God. And in that vein, in making room for God, that means that only God can do it, you can't. So that means the areas that he takes us into and the places that he takes us to go are areas that we can't do on our own. But in our own effort to, you know, keep up with the Joneses and have what they have and have the bigger house, the better car and everything else, Pastor RJ was talking about priorities and that we have to have our priorities in line. And it's good to work. But if you're working so much and not and trying to get all of these things, you're not leaving room for God to work and provide for you. You're trying to strive for it and get it all yourself in the flesh. Um, there is, how many of you know Chick-fil-A? Everybody, uh, we love Chick-fil-A. As a family, we love Chick-fil-A. Just a little bit. And so if you, like, you know, business people here, mathematicians here, okay, Chick-fil-A is a Christian organization. They do not open on Sunday. Okay? And as Christians, sometimes, man, on Sunday, you want a Chick-fil-A. But darn it, they're closed. But it's a good thing. Chick-fil-A is a North, not even a North American chain. So if we're going to compare apples to apples, McDonald's is like international all over the place. Starbucks, international all over the place. Chick-fil-A is only in one uh, a part of, of North America, like not even, like in the U.S. and in more of the southern states and a little bit more in uh, northern Michigan. And they are, if you compare, like with all of the chains out there doing the math, they're closed on Sunday. They're closed. They're not even all over the world. They're only in certain parts of the world. They are five out of 20. Five of the most, pro the number five of the most profitable businesses in, the, in all of North America. But really doing the math because they're only in certain parts, they are by far number one. Number one. When they're not even in Canada, they're not even in some parts of the U.S., they're only in just a few parts of the U.S., and they're closed a day of the week. But God, how many know they made room? They got their priority. The, the people managing that were Christians. They, they put their priority. It doesn't matter if they're open on Sunday. If everybody in the world is open on Sunday, we're closing on Sunday. We make room for our employees to be there with their families to go worship. We're going to worship. We made room for God to be God. And how many know they are very successful? They made room for God to be God. We need to make room in our lives for God to be God. And only God can do those things when we make room for him to do that. Amen? I thank you that we can set aside envy. Can we lay down jealousy at the cross? And there, Lord, we can exchange 
the anger and resentment, our feeling of inadequacy, feeling unimportant, and we can exchange it for truth that we are loved and valued and that you provide for our every need. So Lord, I ask that you're going to help each person here today, that they'll be strengthened in their relationship with you and that they can clothe themselves with your presence, walking in light and truth because you bring freedom to all of us. So as we purpose to focus on the good, as your word encourages us, think on good things. We're going to choose to move away from a lifestyle of envying and strife, a lifestyle of jealousy, and we're going to purpose to clothe ourselves with the nature of Christ today in Jesus' name.